0: Yo! What's up? How we doing this morning? How we doing this morning? What's going on here? Oh, man. Um, how has rec been for you guys this week? It's been good? Fun? How many of you guys are, anybody on the winning team so far? Come on. Awesome. Hey, uh, how many of you guys are tired right now? Yeah. How many of you guys got less than six hours of sleep last night? Less than six hours. Oh, only a couple of you guys. Junior hires, you don't get tired. <laughs> this doesn't... The tired is not in your vocabulary. Um, you go, go, go. Well, I hope you guys are feeling good. I hope... Um, This week has been awesome for you guys. I hope you guys have been able to learn some some really special things as we dive into God's Word and everything. And so this morning isn't really going to be that much different. It's going to be kind of similar as to what you've been experiencing in chapels, um, just from a different person. But ultimately, I think it's important that we talk about this topic because this topic is so prevalent to us today and it surrounds us in so many different ways. And you might even be unaware of the way in which it affects you and the way that it actually might change you and mold you and train your mind to do things or think a certain way. And so what I want to do for you guys is to provide a clear definition of purity, of what it means to live a life of purity, and then specifically, what does it mean for me to be sexually pure? Now, that being said, I don't want you guys to get the idea that anytime you have a thought, um, it's automatically wrong, right? And I just need to throw it and I need to get rid of it. And I need to not think about it. If I'm attracted to somebody, immediately, I got I to gotta stop it right there. What we're going to try to do is try and understand what does the Bible talk about when it talks about purity? What does it talk about when it talks about sexual immorality, which is kind of, Ultimately, our goal as believers is to be distant from that, is to remove ourselves and to flee from sexual morality as it talks about that. But not only that, provide a definition of what it means, what sexual morality is, but also how, why is it important that we know these things? Why is it important that I pursue these things? Why? I mean, you know, it seems like when we talk about purity, it's a bunch of don't watch this, don't be in this kind of relationship, don't pursue these things, make sure that you get rid of all these things in your lives. Yet we don't really talk about why, as a believer, that is important. And I hope today we'll be able to do that. But not only that, and how do we fight our sexual sin and the things that trap us constantly? So first things first, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you guys have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Corinthians is right after the book of Romans. So if you guys can find Romans, just make sure that you guys keep turning those pages until you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we will dive in. One last thing, before we dive into Scripture, I want you guys to know that your world surrounds you with opinions. It surrounds you with different opinions on what it means to believe about sexuality or what, um, how, you know, what is your truth when it comes to sexuality or what is your truth, how do you define it. And what I, w- I want to do, and I want to I encourage you, but also challenge you, that what you're about to hear, and I pray and hope that this is the case, is not my opinion. This isn't something that I just thought of and I'm trying to impose upon you. This is what I believe, and if we're Christians, we're to be shaped by the Word of God and we're to be submitted to it. We're to submit our lives to the Word of God. And so what I want to do is give you guys a clear definition from Scripture of what these things are and what does it mean to follow Christ as a result. And some of us, we live in a culture and a world or in our school systems where we're taught vastly different things of what it means to be sexually pure or not sexually pure, but what sexuality is and what the Bible defines. And I want want to help us understand, man, as a Christian, not only is my life supposed to look different, but the way that I think is supposed to look different. God is supposed to define the way I view the world and the way I view sin and the way I view sexuality, not the world, And I think some of us may be even tempted to get offended by what I'm going to say. And I hope that's not my goal. But ultimately, I want you to know that it's just not my opinion. Um, It's actually something that I think and I believe and I know to be true because it's from the word of God. So that being said, let's dive in. Let's read this passage and then we'll begin. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6 we're going to head, dive straight into verse 18. So verse 18, if you kind of go kind of closer to the end of chapter 6, you'll, you'll find it. Verse 18, here's what it says. Flee from sexual immorality. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his or her own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let's pray together real quick before we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to speak to these high schoolers and junior hires. God, that you would be clear through me and that the students can understand what does it mean to live a life that is pure, both for purity's sake, but sexually as well. And God, what does it mean to love you more than the things of this world? What does it mean to actually decide that we're only going to pursue you? Ultimately, God, we recognize we live in a world that surrounds us with out-of-context sexuality and all these different things. And God, help us just Help us to find meaning in your word this morning. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So with that verse, immediately in in verse 18, it says, flee what? Flee sexual immorality. And so what Paul is talking about here is he's ultimately talking about sexual morality, but he's not just saying, okay, you know, entertain these things, be around these things, but remain Remain steadfast. Don't fall into these things. Make sure you're going to be around these things. You're going to watch things. You're going to do all these different things. But you're going to remain strong because you're in Christ, right? He's not actually saying that. What is he saying in this moment? What he's saying, flee. Flee sexual immorality. And so Paul, who's writing this letter to the Corinthians, A people and a church that was getting bombarded by these, this sexual sin and there's sexual sin that was kind of happening in this church at the time. He's writing these people and he's very earnest. You can tell by the way that he, the language that he's using. He's saying, "Flee from it. Don't entertain it. Don't, don't be around it. Remove yourself from it." And we have to ask ourselves, why is he asking us to do this? It seems like in our culture, we're already just surrounded by these things, whether it be in television shows, whether it be in commercials, whether it's on Instagram constantly or TikTok constantly. And even just for those of us maybe that aren't even Christians, we recognize there's something, there's something guilty that happens when we, when we fall into this kind of thing, when we actually, our minds go in places in which we know in our, in our own hearts and minds, I man, I shouldn't be thinking about that. We know these things. And oftentimes, God has given us a conscience and he's given us the ability to discern right from wrong. And in this passage, you what you don't get is how far is too far. But what you get is, here's the line and we're going to try and be as far away from the line as possible. Now, some of you your whole lives was, were told that sex and anything regarding sex is bad, right? Maybe some of you were taught that growing up. You were in the church and um, people would shame you and they would constantly bring condemnation on you if you ever had any sort of thought um, regarding sex or anything like that. And what I want you guys to understand today is that sex is a gift from God. Sex has been Given by God to us, but to be demonstrated and to be lived out in the right context. So, when Paul is saying flee sexual immorality, ultimately, he is not making a blanket statement about sex itself. Because, Paul, of anyone, in, in, even in just some of his letters he writes, he recognizes sex is a good thing. It's supposed to be for a marriage between a man and a woman. Sex was created by God, and you can see it all the way back at the very beginning of time, where Adam and Eve were joined together in marriage. And as a result, they were able to to have sex, not only for the sake of just having sex, but for the sake of procreation, for the sake of having children. And obviously, that wasn't the only thing sex was used for, having children. Sex was used in a gift by God so that we may find pleasure in the people that we choose and the person that we choose to marry. Yet, what Paul is talking about is sex and sexuality out of context, out of God's context and God's design for sex. So I instantly, ultimately want you guys to understand sex is a powerful thing. And the reason why Paul is saying flee from these things is because sex out of context has the power to destroy our lives. It has the power to change everything. And anything regarding it, man, whether it be through the mind or through the body, when you watch things on your phones or on your laptops, can I just tell you, that is the same thing that we're talking about when we're talking about sexual immorality. Why do I know that? It's not just the physical act of sex. I know that sexual immorality is not just something that happens physically, but it's something mental because Jesus, in the Gospels, he's talking to the, to the Pharisees and he says, I tell you this right now, anybody who even looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery in his heart. So Jesus... Doesn't just talk about it from a physical standpoint, he talks about it from a mental standpoint. Saying, You've objectified that woman, or You've objectified that man, and in doing so, you have sinned. And this isn't something, man, we take lightly, this is something we take seriously. And it's sexuality out of context. And I want you guys to know when Paul says flee from these things, he's saying it earnestly. Why? Because he knows that it has the power to destroy relationships. It has the power to affect our psychology, the way that we see things. It has the power to affect even just our own bodies. Some of us, eventually, one day, and I hope and I pray that this is the case, many of us will be husbands Many of you will be wives one day. And hopefully, and I pray that this is the case, many of you will be fathers and mothers one day. When we recognize about sexual sin, whether it's pornography, whether it's rela- sexuality and relationships, crossing the boundary in relationships, whatever it might be, we recognize that these things have long-term effects on us as we get older, and when Paul is talking about it, when he says, flee from sexual immorality, every other sin a person commits is outside of the body. But this one is unique, is what Paul is saying. This sin is unique and has the power to affect us long term in our bodies and in our minds. It has the power to change the way that we view things. It has the power, It has the power to join people together that had no business being joined together and now, When they're separated, it creates this tear. We recognize it in scripture. In marriage, when two people are joined together and they have sex, there's this union that happens. Jesus talks about it. There's this union that happens. May no man separate that union the problem is, is that when we decide to act sexually with somebody or be sexually intimate with somebody, there's a union that takes place. And if it's not your husband or your wife, then ultimately, unfortunately, one day, you're not promised tomorrow, you, one day it, it, it might all end. And in fact, many times, in many cases, if, you ha- if this happens in high school, likely it will end. And you're left with more pain and emotional toil than you would have been if you stayed sexually pure in those moments. It's important for us to understand what sexual immorality is and why Paul is asking us to flee from it. What is sexual immorality? If you guys want to write this definition down, you can. This is a definition I heard from somebody who is diving into the word. And basically, this is, how it goes it says sexual morality is this is any sexual intimacy so any sexual behavior activity does not have to just be sex itself it can be clearly activity that is meant to get arousal or sexual arousal out of each other it's any form of sexual activity or behavior or anything like that that's outside of That's outside of a marriage between a man and a woman, whether it be through the mind or through the body, okay? So we're not just talking about actually having, when you have a boyfriend and girlfriend, you acting in these things. We're talking about, man, when we look at stuff on our phone, when we look at stuff on our laptop, that right there, you have a connection with the person that's on the screen because it's very, very intimate. And that's actually only meant to be seen by that person's husband or wife. But ultimately, this is sex, a gift from God, a blessing from God taken out of context that is so powerful and has such a strong effect on our minds and creates this pleasure in us that causes this shame and this guilt And causes these cycles where we're watching it to cope with things in our own lives. Where we're watching it to find satisfaction in a place in which we can't not find satisfaction. And so just know why, man, you guys are struggling with these things. It's because everybody has the need ultimately to be intimate with somebody. God has placed that thing within us. He has placed the desire to be known and to know other people within us in context. Because outside of context, outside of a marriage between a man and a woman, it has the power to affect our lives greatly for years to come. That's why Paul is saying, this is important. Please flee from these things. It's not something you just sit around and you allow to happen before your eyes and you say, man, I'm going to have the strength to, to fight this temptation. He's saying, no, get rid of it. Don't be around it. Try to remove yourself as far away from pos- as possible from these things. Why? Because we are far too weak, we're so, this is the soft spot for us. He he recognizes this in the Corinthians. Like this is something that is so strong and powerful. It is so hard to fight against. The sexual urges of our flesh is so hard to fight against. Why? Because our sexual urges have been given to us by God. Yet it's so important for us to find fulfillment in those in our wife or in our husband when we're married. and he recognizes it has the power to change us in our minds let's keep reading here or do you not know that your body is a is a temple of the holy spirit living within you you are not your own for you have been bought with price so glorify god in your body now here's one of those interesting things because Like I said, sex is not a bad thing, it's a beautiful thing, it's a thing, it's a gift by God, a gift from God. Yet he's saying to glorify God, you are to kind of abstain from these things, yet at the same time, it's like, okay, we're glorifying God by not partaking in a gift that he has given us intentionally. And so what he's saying there is that God gets glory when we follow his design. When we follow his intentions and his design for things, God gets glory. So ultimately, when we say glorify God in your body, the way that you can glorify God as a young person, one of the main ways you can do that is by making sure that you're being pure. And that's what Paul is saying. It's not just purity for purity's sake. It's not just pointing the finger and saying, don't do these things, don't do these things, don't do these things, don't do these things. These things are bad, 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 bad. In fact, these things are actually good in context. Out of context, they have the power to destroy your life. They have the power to cause you to become addicted. They have the power to change the way that you see women. They have the power to change the way that you see men as objects, as a means for pleasure and ultimately when you get married the problem is it's like okay I've abstained I've abstained I've abstained but now that I'm married I get to have sex and all those things go away yet your mind has been trained to objectify to objectify and you fail to recognize that the point of sex isn't just for pleasure the point of sex is union and it's connection and it's all these beautiful things yet our minds have been trained by the world to see it differently and i would think that man, a lot of your counselors would recognize this purity culture was like a movement and they would talk about just wait just wait until you're able to do this just suppress those things as much as you can and then ultimately you'll be able to satisfy all these things but what that's trained us to do is to not change the way that we see men or women it hasn't it hasn't it hasn't challenged us to actually See sex as not just merely a means of pleasure and not the ultimate goal of getting married. Because ultimately, what you had is a lot of people getting married just because they wanted to have sex. But ultimately, and those that are married in this room, they know that marriage is so much more than that. And sex is a gift and it's a tool to be used as a married person, to be unified. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Glorify God. Young person that's not married. These things that maybe you're involved in, relationships, I think for the most part, they cross into territory that is unwise. They cross over into territory when you're in high school or you're in junior high and you're in a relationship or you have a boyfriend or girlfriend Oftentimes you ask the question yourself, how far is too far and how can I not cross this line over here? But what we see in this passage is not what, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul never draws a hard line and says don't cross that line. He clearly understood what the line was and he says I'm going to get, I'm asking you not to get anywhere near there. Why? Because your purity is worth it. Because you remaining pure is worth it in the end. It's worth fighting that temptation. It's worth deleting Instagram and TikTok. It's worth, man, the, 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 the amount of time, the average amount of time an American teenager spends on his or her iPhone, the average amount, I read this recently, it says nine hours a day. Nine hours a day the American teenager spends on their phone. Now, some of that is obviously maybe schoolwork or calling friends or calling your parents or whatever it might be. I know you're not talking to your parents for nine hours a day, okay? So I'm going to assume that uh, that I'd say a good chunk of that is on social media. Now, to remain sexually pure, there's two important ways in which we need to do that. The first is we need to have wisdom. The first is we need to have wisdom. And so scrolling nine hours a day on your phone, is that wise? I would say for, the most, for most of us, if we want to be sexually pure, if we want to remove ourselves from these things and t- retrain our minds not to objectify women, not to objectify men, not to objectify ourselves, if we want to do that, then we have to have wisdom. Just like Paul is saying, flee from these things. You, you, you need wisdom to make sure to, to, to ask yourself, man, am I really strong enough to be scrolling on my phone for nine hours? And I would say for probably 100% of us, no. Because what happens, you scroll, 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 scroll. Temptation is bound to come up. And ultimately, you and I, we are not strong enough to fight those things. The things that the world is trying to get us to see and then, and then satisfy that temptation, that longing within us. And those fleshly desires come up and we, we, we want it and so what we need is wisdom to remove ourselves from those things. And it sounds like legalism. And what le- legalism means is basically just a bunch of rules. Get rid of your phone. Don't, don't watch TikTok. Don't do these things. But ultimately, I don't want it to sound, because it's not what it talks about in the Bible, but the Bible does talk about fleeing from sexual immorality. And the, one of the ways that you can do that is by having wisdom with how much time you spend on your phone. But not only that, is it wise for other people to know about the things that you're struggling with? Yes, and it says that in 1 John, to confess your sin, to confess it constantly, because nobody is without sin. If anyone says they are without sin, if you, oh, I don't struggle with that, or I'm not a sinner at all. I don't struggle with sin. <laughs> 1 John says you're de- deceiving yourself. You already are lying to yourself. So you guys need to not only have wisdom, but you gotta confess your sin. You gotta tell people about it. You cannot kill your sin in the dark. You cannot overcome your sin by just keeping it to yourself because ultimately you're left with your own morality. And oftentimes, when sin creeps in and addiction creeps in, there's a lot of guilt and shame, and then you use those things to cope with it. And you say, I mean, I. You know, I'm not feeling too great or I'm I'm sad that of the way or I feel ashamed of the way that this is making you feel. And then you go and you fall back into that sin. You don't fall into it. You choose to do it. You choose to sin in that way. Ultimately, though, the most important question we can ask is why? Why are we to remain pure? Why is purity so important? You guys turn with me to Psalms 119. So purity is a matter of wisdom, but not only that, it's a matter of the heart. Ultimately, if you love God, and you want to pursue Him, and you want to know Him more, what's the natural response? Well, it's to obey Him. John 14 talks about that. It says that anyone who says that they love me would obey me. And so it doesn't work for us to just say, I just love God, I love God, I love God, yet to willfully and constantly say no to Him and say, I'd rather do this than listen to what you have for me. I'd rather sin and deal with the consequences, the natural consequences of my sin, than follow you, God, or listen to you, or obey you, God. So ultimately, when we sin we fall into these things, what we're saying to God is, I would rather find satisfaction and joy, peace, all those things in the things of the world, than I would in you. That should break our hearts. Why? Because as a Christian, we're supposed to love God. And we call ourselves Christians. Man, we would love him. We would do anything that we would want. We would do anything that he would want us to do. We would serve him and obey him and want to follow him because he made a way for me to live. He saved me. Have, I'm a new creation because of him. So he deserves my life. My heart my desires, all those things, when we find our satisfaction in the things of the world, we have a misplace in priorities. Your ultimate satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment, and pleasure is to be found in Christ. It's to be found in God. God. And the problem, I think many of us who are losing the battles to our sexual sin, to our pornography addictions, it's because we're not playing offense. It's because we're actually loving the things of the world more than loving the one who created the world. we're We're, we're creating this idol in our heart. We're lifting up sex in our heart, and we're saying, Man, this is the thing that God created. I'm going to serve this thing because it gives me pleasure. Rather than serving and pursuing and loving the God that created it and that gave it to us to be enjoyed in context and thanking him. We have to fight our sin by loving God more. And how do you do that? It might be hard for you to understand. It's Like, how do I love God more? How do I, how do I do that? How doesn't it make sense to me? I, how do I just turn it, turn it on? And I'm like, oh God, I love you more and more, and I want you more, and I want to spend more time with you than, than, than time in the world. I want to be informed and transformed by you rather than being transformed and informed by the world. Let's read it right here in Psalms 119. Here's what it says. It says. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. For many of us who have fallen into sexual sin, there's this feedback loop where we watch pornography or where we have this sexual relations with our boyfriend with our girlfriend. We feel weird about it. And it's this weird feeling of mixture of guilt and pleasure and all these things. And then, as a result, we start to feel ashamed. We think back to it. I'm like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? And then we fall back into it because we wanna cope with those things and it's a cycle over and over again. Can I just tell you there's a cycle of purity and there's a cycle of obedience. There's a cycle that we can use to break that cycle and it's right here. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? How can you love God more and more and more and more? And many of us, man, when I say this, we think that I'm just saying, read your Bible more and you'll stop sinning. It's just not the case. In fact, it takes time, over time, God begins to transform you as you do this. But it says this right here. Not only are you reading your Bible by guarding it according to your word, but you're cherishing it. You're recognizing the place that it has in your life to sharpen you, to mold you, To make you and create in you a new person to transform you day by day by day by day. And the spirit of God, even Mike will talk about this later on, the spirit is working in us. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And what is it doing? It's reminding you of the things that God has said. Reminding you that God loves you. Reminding you that God sent his son for you. That, that he nailed those sins that you're committing to a cross. And therefore, you are to live, in a, life, live a life that is just grateful. That is in full gratitude. In obedience to him. And we have no chance against our sin. We have no hope against our sin. Unless we find more love and joy and satisfaction in the Lord than we do in those things. You were meant to enjoy God. I don't know if you know that. You're not meant to just read your Bible from a place of duty. You're meant to read your Bible so you get to know this God that created you intimately and knows you. And you're meant to know him and the things that he said in his word. And it's supposed to transform you and start to pull you away from the things of this world many of us, we fight our sin by saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. There's this famous quote by Soren Kierkegaard. He's this Christian thinker and author. And he, and he, he says, he, he gives a definition of purity. And he says this, he says, purity is to will one thing. And that thing is Christ. So purity is not just not doing stuff. It's not abstinence. It's not just not having sex before marriage. While those things are very, very important as a believer, purity is more than that. Purity is to will one thing. Purity is to be motivated by one thing. Purity is to want to know the Lord more, to know Christ more, to be intimate with God, and to have a deep relationship with Him. And as a result, live lives that honor Him. You'll see it, David, you, with my whole heart I seek you. How can a man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word, but not just reading it. He's saying, with my whole heart I seek you. I've stored up your commandments in my heart. Have you stored up God's word in your heart? Have you spent time reading the word of God so that it would transform you so you get to know him more. And many of you, man, I know it's hard. It almost seems boring reading the, reading the Bible. But I, can I just tell you, over time, as you begin to study more and more and more, you get to learn about the God that created you and created all of this. The God that knows you and every strain on your head, strain of hair on your head. And he... Knows you better than you know yourself. So it's time to submit to that reality and recognize man, God decides what I get to do with my body. And it's for my good and it's for his glory. I don't want you guys later on down the road having this sin, this type of sin, affect you for years to come because it will. Sexual sin is very serious and it has the power to really shape us and mold our minds, like I said. and Ultimately, the way that we interact with our future husbands and wives are at stake. And the way that we even interact with our children is at stake. And the way that we see women and see men is at stake. And I want you guys to retrain your minds to begin to think the way that God thinks. Sex is an amazing thing. It's been given by God. But we are to do it in the way that God wants us to. Because ultimately, like I said, that's for his glory and for our good. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for... Just this topic, and it's it's a hard one, it's a delicate one, but I recognize, God, that there are many of us in this room who struggle with it. And it's really hard because God, I know that um, this is just a phenomenon happening within happening within our church. That's so many, not only young men, but men who are in leadership positions, men who Struggle with pornography and the amount of women that struggle with it is is rising as well. and God I just I recognize God and I just ask that you would challenge us, convict us to our core. God help us to recognize that we are finding satisfaction in such a cheap way, something that will never last and ultimately leads to shame and guilt and all these things that are not what you plan and intend for us. Rather, God, that you have asked us to be intimate with you and to recognize your rightful place in our lives and to submit to you and have a relationship with you and to find our satisfaction and fulfillment in you and not in these things of the world. But God, there's something broken in us, something that goes back to those desires every time and God, I just pray that you would heal us and that you would give us not only conviction but healing. You would help us understand that these things will ultimately only ever damage us, but you're the only one that gives life. Every good and perfect gift is from above. We recognize that and we want to know you more. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.